Welcome to Spark, Careers in Agribusiness, where we meet the most accomplished leaders in agribusiness today. Learn how each of the women and men featured has built leadership into their life's work and what advice they have for young people just beginning their careers. Your host for Spark is Sarah Stever, President at Paulson. Today, I'm in the offices of Pipestone Systems, Pipestone, Minnesota, with Sylvia Walters, Director of Public Relations. Sylvia is a tireless advocate for agriculture, which earned her the 2014 Minnesota Pork Industries Pork Promoter of the Year Award. Sylvia grew up in Washington State on a sheep and hay farm, and for any of you that are considering animal science either as a degree or a career, Sylvia has a BS in animal science from the Washington State University. Sylvia, can you begin our interview by telling us a little bit more about Pipestone Systems and your role here? Pipestone is a company that uh, has been long standing here and originated in the city of Pipestone as well as our company name. And it's founded by veterinarians. When I joined the company, there was five. I think there's now 23 or 26 veterinarians. There are three different clinics, uh, one here in Pipestone, Minnesota. Tumble, Iowa, and Independence, Iowa. We service both small animal and here in the Pipestone Clinic, sheep, dairy, beef, uh, equine, all 100% mixed practice, but the majority of our focus is in swine. So we have a um, the majority of our veterinarians uh, service the swine industry. In the, the two Iowa clinics, we are just swine and small animal in both of those clinics. Beyond the veterinary services, our company has a large footprint in the swine industry is in the management of, um, perspective. So Pipestone System is a management company that is founded and part of Pipestone. The Pipestone System manages a little over 200,000 sows here in the U.S. for family farmers. And so pipes, a little misconception about the Pipestone system uh, sometimes is that Pipestone does not own any pigs. We only manage the people, the veterinary services, the health, and everything from conception all the way to market. We can provide services to the actual owners of the pigs, which are family farmers. So it's a little bit of a complex kind of a concept, but it works very well and it services uh, a need and keeps the pigs at home on, on family farms. So if you're a young farmer or taking over a generational farm, you have the ability to buy shares into a sow farm, own it yourself, get the pigs and feed them your corn and soybeans off of your farm and still not have the 24-7, 365 responsibility of maintaining a sow population. And so that's what Pipestone does on the Pipestone system side. Pipestone is um, quite diverse. I've been here for 19 years and have been through a lot of growth with the company. And we were five veterinarians when I started and, and about um, 20,000 sows. So it's been a fun ride. My background is in, in um, animal science, born and raised on the farm. So this last 20 years, spending it doing the purchasing and the management of the people and the whatnot in the veterinary clinic side of it has been a lot of fun for me. Now the last three years I've uh, been focusing on partly in uh, procurement, in keeping relationships with uh, large pharma companies and what that means to pipes on vet services to buy, to buy their antibiotics and their, their products for the for the veterinary services side. But then I get to spend about 80% of my time doing industry advocacy and public relations, um, fun things about 
talking to people where their food comes from, what it's like to raise pigs, all those kinds of things. So that's what the last three years of my career has been in, in here. And so that's it's been a real real fun time. Sounds like a lot of variety. Oh, it's you get to variety. do it every day. Yes, lots of variety. Yeah, and you never know what hat you're wearing. It's really sometimes kind of difficult for people to know where I'm coming from because I might change hats in the middle of a conversation and you didn't see me do it. <laughs> and I, I have to correct, I have to be very conscientious and try and, try and help you with that because sometimes I'll be speaking from a Pipestone Systems perspective or a Pipestone Vet Services or PR or Holdings or whatever. We have a lot of different hats we wear. And then I'm also involved with Minnesota Pork and those kinds of things as well. So I'll try to uh, keep keep focused. <laughs> So let's look backwards a little bit, and if you would talk a bit about what your childhood was like and, and your early development and kind of how that prepared you for where you are today. There is no better school for life than to grow up on a farm, and I did. I grew up on a farm in uh, western Washington where it rains all the time, and we had 600 breeding ewes and about 1,000 to 3,000 feedlot lambs every summer. So if anybody knows anything about sheep and raising sheep, where you get 60 inches of rain a year is not an optimal environment. <laughs> so growing up in that situation, raising sheep, and then we harvested about 1,000 acres, well, we did 1,000 acres of, of uh, grassland hay in the summer as well, with that as being my, my playground and my, my building blocks for my early years, you, don't, uh, you, you learn how to work. And it was just my mom, my dad, and my two younger brothers. We did not have hired help, and so you, you just figure out how to get her done. That sets the foundation for a work ethic, I think. So looking back, can you describe either a decision you made or a situation that arose or maybe someone who influenced you that may have changed the course of your life? There's a couple of those. Um, probably the biggest change that steered me where I am today was in high school. I was working for a veterinary clinic and being a senior and been, been strapped to the farm for 18 years, the last place I wanted to go was the farm and I was decided not to go to college and had decided that I was going to make my own way and that's kind of the path I was going down as, as a senior in high school and when it came down to the last final D-Day to enroll in college, two of the veterinarians that I worked for kind of put, told me, took me by the nape of the neck and set me down in the office and said, you are going to college. And so my life changed dramatically at that point. Wow. <laughs> and um, so, so I did. I went to school and uh, went, went to Washington State University, uh, got a BS in animal science, uh, met my husband there. And we've been in the animal ag industry. We moved to the Midwest right out of college and uh, it's been this train on the fast track. That's amazing that you had those two individuals step in. Well and you know when you're in high school and 17, 18, 19 years old all of a sudden you think like I've been strapped to the farm all my life where I'm going to do something different and do you know whatever and get out of the you know, sometimes you need a whack on the head. <laughs> So would you say that those two people were maybe the most influential in your development, or was there someone else along the way who kind of helped you, or when when have you felt most supported, I guess, in your career? The individuals that I worked for when I was in my high school, college um, days were influential in my path, but the most support and influential in my, I want to say, my further development 
I think has been Dr. Minion here at Pipestone. He's our current CEO, young guy, um, very, very savvy and great people skills and good business skills. And there's a lot to be learned from being able to. I have learned a lot about balancing the workload and how to get it done and really using the people around you to, to make that happen and not be a just do it yourself, which growing up on a farm when that's all I had was myself and to get it done and to get it done right, you kind of do that a lot. Well, there's there's some pivotal points in, in life where you decide, you know, there's some things, there's people around you, surround yourself with good people and um, empower them to do, empower and train and, you know, bring them along. Um, one, I think one of the most uh, influential moments that uh, Dr. Minion ever shared with me was, you are no good to me unless you can make other people be like you. Wow, and that's great advice. You are, if you cannot produce the people, empower the people around you to be as good as you think you are, then you are no good to me. And I thought, you know, I took that to heart, went, holy cow. <laughs> You know, and so yeah, you start. I, I personally started looking at, at how I how I did things, and our company was growing at a at a pace that one person can't do it. And so you really have to um, look outside that, look outside your comfort zone, and to to grow. So do you feel like that type of advice was instrumental in helping you kind of elevate yourself, bringing people up underneath you? Maybe helped you advance in your career. Yeah, it, it helped me make some career choices. And so, you know, you have to decide, figure out what you're good at and be able to bring those pieces along. And sometimes you may have gotten to a certain point just by sheer hard work and dedication and, and being just, you know, nose to the grindstone. But you, that might not be what you're the best at, really. You just, through just getting it done, have done that. But seek out what you are the best at in order to be able to, to expand. And sometimes, and... And for me personally, being a team leader is is a, is a goal or thing you want to do. But my personality type might not be a good team leader. To help be a builder and a and an educator and those kinds of things, um, I felt, you know, we felt fit me better. And so there are there are other people that could should be the leaderships, and there should be people that be the builders. And so that's where. I think his his advice was very instrumental in, in seeking out what you're good at and be able to make that piece be a part of the development and growth as, as we go on. That's great advice. That's wonderful yeah. advice, I think, for young people coming up in their career. It's very hard to accept when you go and you know, you've you been the person in charge or sort of in charge or whatever, and you think and you want and develop yourself as a leader, and that's what you think, yeah, I want to be the thing. But then to say, yeah... I might not be such a good leader. I'm a little hardcore about that. So, you know, um, and so to be able to, to accept it yourself and say, yeah, no, that's probably not, you know, I, and to be really honest about it, it's hard to accept to change that. But it's also very good for you because if you don't recognize that, you will never be good at what you're doing. You're probably very happy or satisfied or... Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and there is days you look at things and you think, oh, man, that's not the way I would have done it, or geez, you know, but I look at it this way. You bring people up around you to help you and do things, and you empower them to do what they can to help you. So, like, at our home, my husband does the laundry, and so, you know what, I'm grateful for him to do the laundry, and if he rolls the socks inside out, I just have to be quiet. That's okay. There's still socks, <laughs> and they're still together. 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> it might not be the way I do it, but it still works. And so that that whole um, you know acceptance of not being your way for a red personality person like me is hard to take. But and so that's why in some some formats you have to to adjust that. Some places it's good. Some places it's you just have to recognize when to exercise your red personality and not. <laughs> So you have achieved a lot in your career so far. Um, can you kind of describe how that feels? You say I've achieved a lot in my career. I don't know what achieve a lot means or what it is. I mean, it doesn't feel like a lot. I don't, you know, I don't know. It's just kind of go through life and pursue things that you are good at and things that, that make your, you, yourself and your family uh, happy and, and find that spot. And... I don't know. That's hard to answer. Are there any surprises along the way? I, I am surprised a lot. I get people that will, um, you know, thank you for doing something here, and which, thank you for doing something that seemed like a perfectly normal, not out of the, not out of the way thing. Um, um, that award right there, the Promoter of the Year award. You know, when they they do that, you're like, yeah, that's a surprise. But just what I do, right? Well, you should tell our audience about that award. Because I can see it here sitting okay. next to your desk. So Minnesota Pork gives about five or six different awards every year for different achievements within the swine industry. And one of the awards they give out a year, every year is Pork Promoter of the Year. And it's not necessarily about promoting pork chops, eating how much pork you served or ate or whatever. It's about being active in the industry, being a, a leader in communications and bringing awareness to not only the pork industry, but the food animal industry and modern agriculture. I always say I'm a promoter of modern agriculture, not necessarily a promoter of pork. We all are in the same thing together. It is, And it's not Minnesota, it's world. We are a world market now. Um, and it's all of agriculture, and it's not one against the other. It's all of us together. And so when there's things about GMOs or there's things about antibiotics and there's things about poultry or eggs, that's about us, too. I look at it that way. I don't, So it's labeled the Minnesota Pork Pro Promoter of the Year Award, but it's about getting the transparency and, and of agriculture out to people that are not any longer on the farm. I had both the privilege and the nemesis, right, of growing up on a farm, but one in 10 people do it today. You know, not hardly anybody does. And it's really as much, you know, I look back to your childhood and like when I was 17, that's the last thing I want to be was on the farm. Now that I'm 50 plus something, <laughs> uh, we live on a farm. And so that's, you know, it, it is a good thing. And people should experience that. They need, they need to connect with their food. And people are wanting to. You see it in news and the blogs and all that every day. They want, they feel something very close to their food, of which is very normal that the indigenous people were that way. They, life is around food. And so we need to provide that as an agricultural industry for them because they can't go out and pick their own berries anymore. Well, congratulations on that award. Well, oh, yeah, it's about surprises. Yeah, that, that kind of stuff surprises me because it doesn't, it's nothing like you set out, I'm going to earn that award this year. This <laughs> just comes along the way. Other surprising things are not the common sense of agriculture and where your food comes from. It's very surprising to me how many people don't even think about it and don't have a clue. Some don't care and some are and some are very vocal about it. But uh, 
that's a surprise. You know, it's yeah, it's, it's your it's our nature. It's what we do. So, but, but I'm finding, in my, especially in these last three years, uh, there's a lot of people that don't know, <laughs> have no idea. So that kind of leads into another question I have along those lines. Within your sphere of influence, what are you most concerned about that you're seeing for the future? I'm concerned about consumers of our products and all of agriculture and what their perception is of how these food products are grown and get to them. Just because they don't know is quite off base in a lot of spaces. And some of them more affluent, but it's not really that, it's not, how affluent you are doesn't have an influence on what you think about your food. It just allows you the ability to either be very vocal and share that or not. Luxury. The luxury thing of it. So they can tell you, you know, if, if, if you're a celebrity and you choose to be vegan for a reason or whatever, they have a platform that they share that message widely and broadly. Where if you are a worker on the on the assembly line floor and choose to be a vegan, you don't have the platform to share that message. So I think some of these plat- these people that are um, have the platform to share and spread a lot of um, messaging are not really truly representative of what the population that's consuming food is is really really feels but they swing a lot of attitude very few are influencing a lot and that that um privileged influence i think has been taken advantage of absolutely so if you could influence one thing in the future if you had the power to just do that what would that one thing be you know i i have two levels of of um of desire there one from a you know a business and in for the love of what I do in, in that whole realm of things, I would like to influence how people connect with their sustenance, which is their food, and have them feel good about it in an acceptable manner to the actual producer. So we need to find a common ground between the consumer and the people who are growing their food and be very in line in that connection. And so to be able to get make that happen, because it it's, it's somewhat different right now. To make that happen, I think, is good. The other thing that, with the, that level that I really would uh, I desire to make an influence is, is in, um, on, on a personal level, people that I come in contact with, to be able to encourage them to find their gift, whatever that gift is, and pursue it and make a difference with that gift, no matter whether it is going to achieve them financial gain or not or whatever it is pursue your gift it will turn out for you (laughs) that is awesome advice have you were you ever mentored along the way people especially early on in their careers will seek someone out and i think mentorship is is an important can be an important role i have had certain people that i really gravitated to and, and looked up to and thought of about yep you're doing that right or this that makes a difference to me and there's a few people that I uh, really, really hold a deep regard for. Were they a mentor? Did I get schooled by them or anything? No, I didn't do any of that. But, but I just awesome role I, models in yes, life. Exactly, and and more life role models than um, than uh, professional. I don't think there's a for me. There wasn't a difference. My profession was my life. <laughs>
and probably to a detriment for the middle years of my life. <laughs> I will readily admit that, and I will readily advise many others to not go there. (laughs) So if you had advice for young women coming up or starting out in agriculture, what would your advice be to them? And you say advice for young women. um, Just young people in their Right, and that's exactly where I'd go, is is my advice is don't, don't try to be a woman or a man. Be you. And whether you're, a, it doesn't matter, you find out what I spoke to before, what your gift is. And if you are good at communicating or you're good at negotiating or you're good at whatever that is, seek that out and utilize your gift. And success will find you. So whether you measure success in, in the bank or you measure success in your heart or your family, that's up to you. But your gift will lead you there. Recognize it and and let it out. Some of us don't find it until it's later. <laughs> so, but some of us have had to keep an open mind about our gifts. Well, right, right. Come by. <laughs> yep, exactly. And and it can change, right? It can, yeah, it can be different, and it is different um, throughout your lifetime. So, for young women, I would say, you know, because I said this a lot in early in my career, I'm a woman in a man's world. Well, no, I'm a person in the world. And people will respect you for that. Don't try to be something. You know, when I was young in my career, I felt as a woman in a man's world, and so I tried to make sure that I you over-deliver. That's all you have to do. Don't think of it about as being, yeah, I'm a woman, so I have to over-deliver. Just over-deliver. And that will get you more success. Don't try to overcompensate for what you think your inability is when it's based on either you're a man or a woman. Whether I, I hunt and fish, a majority of my friends are men. When I go places to do things that are, uh, you know, I, I, it's usually all with, with all guys. It's just because that's the venue of, of things that I enjoy. It's not because I'm trying to be a guy or they want to have a gal along. Yeah, they do enjoy me to cook, but <laughs> I'm cooking, but you know. So anyway, that's what I would say to them is um, to young young gals, there is no limits. You're your own limit. Seek it out, what you want to do, and, and go for it. Awesome advice. Mm-hmm. So let's project ourselves way into the future and think about when you're getting to the point where you're going to step down from your career. What is one thing you hope people will remember you for? I would hope that people will remember me as an implementer of change and opening doors. That's one of my gifts, and I, am, I, I embrace change. A lot of people run from it, just like our whole company's culture. A lot of people run from a fire, we run into it. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I, I embrace change. Um, I have the gift to aggregate resources sometimes unlikely resources that partner together to empower something to change or happen. You know, that's what I, I hope people say, yeah, you know what? She got a lot of stuff done. I think it's just important for whether you're a young woman, any person, to feel like they make a difference. That's what everybody wants to do when you set out on life. Your main thing you want to say, you ask these kids when they interview for scholarships or whatever, I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference. You know, Everybody wants to make a difference. The people that are around you, if you empower them and give them 
meaningful work or exchange meaningful interactions and opportunities and make them feel needed, okay. you will succeed. And you will in turn make them succeed. When, when they, people have meaningful work, they feel needed, then it, it's a win-win for everyone. And you don't have to march off on a you know, crusade to save the world. Just do those key things. That's Spark for today. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in for the next episode. To learn more about Paulson, please visit paulson.ag. That's P-A-U-L-S-E-N dot A-G.